0: So if you do have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open to 1 Samuel 25. We've been going through this series on the life of David. We've been kind of now just zoning in on a new season of his life because when you look at the first part of David's life, 1 Samuel 25, when you look at the first part of his life, it's kind of been he was anointed, he was a shepherd, he had a lot of waiting that needed to happen. And then people found out who he was and what God was doing in his life when he defeated Goliath. And that threw all these things into motion of him fighting the Lord's battles, but also clearly being seen to everybody around him, the anointing on his life, the calling on his life as well, which you all in this room have as well. Scholars think that David was about 12 years old when he was anointed king of Israel, which you could probably imagine, you know,
1: Thanks.
0: Like, kind of just that nervousness of I'm a little young to be given a calling and a purpose like that. But the truth about God is that He gives us purpose and calling at the youngest of ages at times when we don't think that we even deserve it. God has more in store for us than we think. And you see that in His story, but then you see a wicked king who is currently the king of Israel, which is why David didn't become king automatically began to grow jealous, began to harbor bitterness and envy. And because he wasn't pursuing the Lord, he began to be destructive in his own life, but also the people around him. You began to see him persecute David all the way into exile. And if you guys remember last week, if you were here, we talked about this story where Saul took an entire army to try and run down and kill David. And Saul, the tables actually turned and David had Saul in his hands to take him down and take the throne. But instead of executing his own judgment on him, he decided to entrust the Lord with the situation. And he stood up to him and said, I have you in my hands, but I'm giving you to the Lord. And yet he remained in exile. And I think that's something to even note as well. Because not everything was fixed right away. And oftentimes we find ourselves in situations where we're called to trust God. But that doesn't necessarily mean everything is going to be fixed in that moment. Sometimes that can be really discouraging can be really hard on your faith. So if you're feeling like that this morning, I think you can relate to David in this story as well. We get to chapter 25, which follows this story where he shows, and I mean the best way to describe it is an epic amount of grace that he shows on Saul. And the thing that I love about a story like this in chapter 25 is that the Bible doesn't edit. It doesn't portray a certain image of David. It just includes who he is just messed up and all, just warts and all, his, his his strengths, but also his weaknesses, which you'll see in this story. So if you'll follow along with me, it says this in verse 1. Now Samuel died, and all Israel assembled and mourned for him. And they buried him at his home in Ramah. Then David moved on into the desert of Paran. Samuel was the prophet over Israel that had anointed David at the time. He was one of the last people who was able to say, David is anointed king. And so with him passing, it only made it even harder for David to really live in the fullness of what God had for him. It seemed like circumstances continued to get worse. So now it says in verse 2, a certain man in Maon who had property there at Carmel was very wealthy. He had a thousand goats and three thousand sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. How many of you have three thousand goats in this room? It's about right. Right. His name was Nabal. What a terrible name. Nabal actually means wicked. So his name was wicked. Sorry. What were his parents thinking? And his wife's name was Abigail. And she was an intelligent and beautiful woman. But her husband was surely and mean in his dealings, and he was a Calebite. While David was in the wilderness while he's on the run, he heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So he sent ten of his young men and said to them, Go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Say to him, long life to you, good health to you and your household, and good health to all that is yours. Now I hear that it is sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them. And the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your own servants, and they will tell you. Therefore, be favorable towards my men, since we are coming at a festive time. Please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. When David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name, Then they waited. Just so you know what is happening in this story. They're in the wilderness, and they run into this very, very wealthy man. And sheep shearing was the time that they would shave all the sheep, and they would use their wool, and they would sell it and make a lot of money. So it was a pretty festive time. It was payday for all of them. And so in that time... David says, this is a festive time. We have in the past looked out over your shepherds. Because what would happen is shepherds would be out with their flocks. And then people, these parties that are kind of like pirates would be the best. Land pirates would be the best way to describe it. Would come and steal sheep and things like that. And so David, in his kindness, sent soldiers to protect them. And so he came to Abel and said, hey, you know how kind we've been to you guys. You know our hearts We're in dire need right now. We're on the run from a wicked king, and so whatever you have, can you please supply us with? Verse 10, Nabal answered David's servants, Who is this David, and who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered from my shears and give it to men coming from who knows where so he denies him, and he even would call him, Who is this son of Jesse? Which was a major insult in the day, not even using his name. Who is this kid? Who is his father? Who is this nobody? He says, Masters are breaking or servants are breaking away from their masters all the time. And what he's saying in that is David was on the run from Saul. He didn't just break away out of rebellion, and Nabal's saying, Well, you just broke away from your master. His name was slandered in a sense. He says, why should I give you my meat? This wealthy man who had more than enough wouldn't even give someone who was on the run and in dire need something. It was selfishness. It was wickedness. He was true to his name. And then David responds very, very kindly by saying, David's men turned around and went back. When they arrived, they reported every word. And David said to his men, each of you strap on your sword. So they did, and David strapped on his as well. About 400 men went up with David, while 200 stayed with the supplies. So David just, something snapped. Something got him just mad, and he's like, that's it. That's it. Let's get, let's get our boy, and we are going to take him down now. We are not, not going to entrust us to God. We are going to go against them. David, David had a moment, and so he's going after him and that entire household with not very good intentions. One of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our master his greetings, but he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us, and the whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day, they were a wall around us, the whole time we were herding our sheep near them. Now think it over and see what you can do, because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. And Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five sires of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisins, which, side note, if somebody is out to kill you, you probably shouldn't give them raisins nowadays, like in that. Uh, Cakes of pressed figs, loaded them on donkeys. Then she told her servants, go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. So Nabal doesn't know about any of this. And as she came riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, There were David and his men descending toward her, and she met them. David had just said, it's been useless. All my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing of his was missing. He has paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belonged to him. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. And I want you guys to take note of this next scripture right here. She fell at his feet and said, pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention, my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. He is just like his name. His name means fool and folly goes with him. And as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my Lord sent. And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands. May your enemies, who, are all, um, who all who are intent on harming my Lord, be like Nabal. And let this gift, talking about all the raisins and things like that, which your servant has brought to my Lord, be given to the men who follow you. Please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battles. And no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, referring to Saul, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord our God. But the lives of your enemies, he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. That's a reference to Goliath. Because in the same way that David used a sling to defeat Goliath, she's saying God will do that again and again for you. When the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing he has promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or of having avenged himself. And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord success, remember your servant. And so she says, if you do this, this is going to weigh on you. If you go that far, if you murder... That's going to be something you're going to carry with the rest of your life. It's going to break you. Why would you? Don't do that to yourself, David. David said to Abigail, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you. If you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Then David accepted from her hand what she had brought him and said, go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. And we're going to stop right there. Can we say amen to God's word together? Last week was a story about loving your enemies. We talked a lot about that in this, in this situation where there's destructive people in our lives, And what do you do about that? And this week, it's the same thing. It's a similar story, but it's a little bit different. It's kind of a random story that the Bible has, but it's powerful in this. Because when you look at a story like this, you could look at it in a way of Nabal was an evil man. And that David shouldn't do anything because God will justify him. And he did. And it can be easy to just leave it at that. But there's way more to the story than just that. Because when you look at this, you see a woman named Abigail. Abigail is very important in this story. And Abigail is actually a picture of Christ in our own lives. Throughout the story of David, you see David being like Christ, a foreshadow for Christ. But in this moment, Abigail is a foreshadow of Christ in this way. You see, David's humanity was shown in this moment. He had had lost his patience. He had snapped. He says, I'm going to murder every man in that house as revenge over an insult. You know a week a week ago you know David you spared the life of a wicked king who wanted to kill you and now all of a sudden someone just hurls a little insult at you and you're like shh you're dead man i'm over this i'm over people getting against me and yet the story is about how God protected David through a specific person and how she acted on behalf of the Lord Because without Abigail in this story, David would have committed a terrible act. He would have committed a heinous crime. The truth is that we all need an Abigail in our lives. Maybe there is an Abigail in this room, and you're like, yeah, we do need an Abigail in our lives. But this is what I mean. Let me ask you guys a question. If you were about to commit something ungodly in your life, I want you to all close your eyes for a second. Could you imagine yourself... You're in a moment like David, and you're about to commit something in your life that you know is ungodly, but maybe hate, anger, frustration is leading you to say, no, I have to do this. Who in your life would stop you? Who is the person that would come into your life and say, you need to stop? Who is the Abigail in this? You guys can go ahead and open your eyes. Most of us don't have that in our lives, but we need to have that in our lives. Because part of being in God's kingdom is having people in our lives who are going to be honest, that are going to pull us back when we start to drift away. Because oftentimes the person who can't tell when we're drifting away is us, because we're so lost in our emotions, we're so lost in our hate and our frustration and anger, that we need other people in our lives to be able to speak in us. We were not meant to be alone. God said that, and he means that and it's seen in this story as well. See, in John 1:17 it talks about Jesus. It's right at the beginning of the gospel and it talks about this. It says grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And that's important to note because it's grace and truth. It's not just grace and it's not just truth, but it's grace and truth. What I mean is this, I need two volunteers. Humberto. Come on, one more. You can come up. What's your name? What's your name? Bella. Bella, Can we give it up for Bella and Humberto? Go ahead and stand on the stage right here. Okay, Humberto is going to be grace. Bella is going to be truth. Watch out for Bella. Now, the thing is, God calls us to have both together. Even Jesus himself is both grace and truth wrapped up into one another. Can't have one without the other. And this is why. So Humberto just by himself with only grace. Only grace by itself is this. just life is good. Oh my gosh. God is just so loving. Oh my word. He's just... So good. Hey, Humberto. So you have a lot of sin in your life and it's destroying you and it's destroying the people around you. But God is so good. And I just oh yet you know what? God just has grace for that. Doesn't matter if I'm hurting the people around me, doesn't matter if I'm slandering them, doesn't matter if I'm I'm hurting my parents or my best friends. Doesn't matter if I'm going against truth, I'm just everything is just so good and I'm so happy. But you're destroying yourself and you're destroying the people around you. Now let's let's turn our attention over to Bella. Bella is all truth. Bella is up in your grill. Okay? Bella is in your face saying, "You can't do that. Stop that. Are you crazy? You're a moron. You you can't say that. I'm sorry. That is not right. Read the Bible. That is wrong. 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 Right. Wrong. But, Bella, you're treating people like they're not human. Yeah, well, so what? They're all wrong. But, but Bella, God loves people. And he doesn't just want to tell them they're wrong. But they're wrong! (laughs) Do you see how when you separate the two, it can be destructive on both ends? On one end, you can be destroying the people around you and destroying yourself, but you're oblivious to it. See, truth has a way of leading us to love others and love the Lord. And truth has a way of leading to life and truly taking care of the people around us. And the other side of it is that truth without grace... Everyone will just hate themselves because they'll never feel like they measure up. There is no grace. There is no forgiveness. There is no mercy or redemption. But when you bring the two together, when it's grace and mercy, you have the truth. You can, you can look at stuff in your life that isn't right and not condemn yourself because you know God forgives you. But at the same time, you can make changes in your heart. Thank you, guys. You can have a seat. Can we give it up for them one more time? See, in this story, what you see is David, a woman like Abigail, coming up and telling David, do you know what you're about to do? do you know what you're about to do? You're about to murder a bunch of people. Do you see how that could be wrong? She can, she, she's honest with him. That was a dangerous thing to do. That was a courageous thing to do. You see, truth... Truth is something that we all need in our lives, whether or not we want it. We don't determine truth. God determines truth. We have one tiny perspective, but God has a perspective beyond all of us, which is why when he says something is true, it's a lot more accurate than when we say something is true. If you were compromising with sin in your life or you were living against Jesus, who would love you enough to tell you that you were hurting yourself? Who's that person in your life? Who are those people in your life that would look at you and say, hey, that's wrong what you believe in. Hey, that's not God's word, what you're saying right there and what you're treating. Hey, do you see how destructive your behavior is right now? Hey, did you see how you treated that person over there? Hey, do you see, did you just hear how you talked to your mom? Who are those people in our lives? See, God uses people around us to speak truth into our lives. God loves to use us. He loves us, but He loves to use us. God gives us love, but He also gives us purpose. And one of those purposes is speaking on His behalf. We are called to speak the truth, but we're also called to listen to it. You need both of them, grace and truth. Abigail's an example of many people in our life that speak truth into our life. Maybe that we're not really letting in because we don't want to hear them. Maybe you have parents in your life that are speaking a lot of truth over you and you think they're just a joy kill right now. Maybe you have leaders. Maybe you have friends in this room that you're not listening to because you just don't want to hear it. You don't want anybody telling you you're wrong. I want to look at two aspects for the rest of this morning. I want to look at Abigail speaking, but also David listening. Because when Abigail spoke, there's something important to note about this. She was honest and she spoke truth, but, but do you notice this in the story? And this is, a, this is a major characteristic of speaking truth over other people. Abigail spoke for David's own good, not her own. See, when Abigail, in these verses, when she speaks, she didn't say, Hello, you're going to kill my husband. You might ruin my life. Hey, you're going to kill all these people. That might bother me. You're a jerk. Beat it. Stop it. Stop it. You know? What she says is this. David, look at yourself and the behavior that you're leading right now. Look at how destructive this is for yourself to go against the Lord's command. And then she says, the Lord will surely build a dynasty in you. It's about you and your heart and your life and your relationship with God. You would have needless bloodshed on your hands. It's not about me suffering. It's about you suffering, even though she would have. See, speaking truth is always about the other person's good, not just our own. Romans 8, 28, it talks about God doing things. There it is. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It's not, Jesus doesn't speak things over us for himself, to make himself feel better. Did you know that? God doesn't tell you things. God isn't truthful with you to make himself feel better. But he truly tells us things for for our own good. So let me ask you something. When God tells you, or God speaks through someone and says, hey, you're being inappropriate with your Snapchat. You need to get rid of it. It's destroying you. We're saying, hey, you need, to, you need to get rid of your Instagram, or you can't talk to that person that way, or hey, you care way too much about what you look like. Hey, you've been slandering someone. You've been gossiping against someone. You've been really hurtful to someone. Hey, you've been excluding someone. We take that oftentimes as, oh, you just hate me oh, you just hate me, or you're just being a joy kill. But no, the people that truly love you will be honest in love with you. That's why God speaks the way he does to us and says those things, because it's truly for our own good. It's truly for our own good. How many of you have ever seen, how many of you have ever walked down the cereal aisle at a supermarket and seen a kid have a meltdown? (laughs) How many, I believe it. For me, it was, it was always driving by, for me, growing up, for me, it was always driving by McDonald's because I loved McDonald's when I was little, and so, oh, God forgive me, I would go, beep, beep, McDonald's to my mom to let her know, and then she'd say no, and I'd cry all the way home when I was little. Ah, oh, God bless my mom. But think about this. A kid is brought through the cereal aisle, or something happens, just like my story, it's Unhealthy food, it's sugary, it's not good for you. And so they want, you know, the Lucky Charms or the Cinnamon Toast Crunch, which are essential to a healthy diet. And yet, when they say no, that's when the tantrum starts because it's like, what are you doing? Why aren't you giving me Lucky Charms? You're so mean. You know what I mean, and yet, for an adult to look at it, it's just to simply go, "Well, that's that's unhealthy. You can't eat that all the time." Let me ask you something: When God is honest with you and He says you need to stop hanging out with those people, and you're like, "What are you doing, God? You hate me?" hey, you need to cut that sin out of your life. You need to stop talking. Hey, you need to go apologize to that person. You need to apologize to your parents. And we're like, what? No. But you see how different perspectives from us and God, because God truly has a full perspective. So when he says something in honesty, you didn't see David going, what? He understood and he trusted what Abigail had to say. There's a couple things. If you want to know the difference between speaking the truth to someone and just complaining and just accusing, here's here's a couple questions you can ask yourself to know the difference between what's me being honest with the people around me and what's me just kind of being a brat, just accusing. When you speak truth, is it based on God's word or is it based on your own? That's the first question. When you're speaking... Is it based on how your standards? Oh, you broke my standard. You broke my rules. You broke my opinions. Or is it based on God's standard? Hey, you broke God's word. Abigail didn't come and say, hey, you violated my opinion. She said, you're breaking God's word. You're breaking God's word in front of you. Is it based on how God feels? Or is it based on how you feel? Oftentimes when you're, if you're being honest with someone and you just go, well, that's just how I feel. That probably is more you than it is something truly honest from the heart. Because yes, and that's not to say it doesn't hurt you. That's the whole reason for talking about them in honest. But the real issue is that they're breaking God's command. So what's happening is that, what's the real issue in your heart? Is it that they're, they're breaking God's heart or they're breaking your heart? Because they can do both. But, it's about God's heart and speaking on behalf of God. You're hurting God. You're going to have bloodshed. You're going to murder. You're going to break one of his commandments, David. And the last one, which is pretty much the cornerstone of it. Does it lead to life? Or does it lead to more brokenness? See, if you come at someone with honesty and it's just making them feel bad about themselves to make yourself feel better, that's you accusing But if it's truly honesty that leads to them being bettered, like in this story with Abigail, say, hey, don't do that. It's truly going to lead to life, and it's going to be much appreciated. And honestly, respect you will be more respected as a friend for willing to risk that friendship. There have been times in ministry I absolutely despise to do, but it's absolutely necessary, where I've had to ask leaders to leave because they've gotten unhealthy. They've gotten unhealthy, and it's become a point where they've become destructive. And there are times when I asked them to leave, and they, in the moment, maybe didn't understand it. But when they got out of it and they were able to get healthy, they would come back and say, Hey, thank you so much for making that decision I couldn't make for myself. You really do care about my, me. You don't care about me as a leader, but me personally. There have been times where people have been like, whatever, whatever. But here's the thing about friendship, guys. Friendship is risking the friendship for the sake of the other person. You have to be willing to risk your friendships by being honest in love with one another. you can never You can never tell how someone 's going to receive something, but you can completely control in your own heart how you 're going to give something. See speaking truth is courageous, but doing nothing or accusing is cowardly and timid. See when you step up to the plate and say i 'm going to be honest in love with someone that 's courage right there, guys. That's truly courage of God. Because when you're timid, you won't say anything. When you're cowardly, you won't say anything. But truth is courageous. Abigail is courageous. And you are all courageous. And you are going to have plenty of opportunities in your life. Heck, you probably have opportunities right now to be able to speak the truth about certain things that have happened in your friendships. God wants to work amongst your friendships just as much as he wants to work through you directly. Proverbs 27.6 says that an enemy multiplies kisses, but wounds from a friend can be trusted. See that? When you're honest in truth with people around you, you're a friend. That can be trusted. But isn't that interesting if you're just like, oh, you're fine. You can live however you want, even though they're being destructive. The word calls you an enemy. You're actually enemies of one another because you're not truly for them. You're not you're not their friend. You're just a yes man or a yes woman in their life. But God has called us to be a friend, which means a lot more than just making other people feel good. See, the other part of the story too comes in David's response. Because David was convicted. David was living his life wrong. He was he was on the fast track in the spirit of boneheadedness, okay? Abigail confronts him, does it in love, does it graciously like God always does with us. And the first thing he does, he doesn't doesn't go, do you know what I've been through? Do you know what I've been through these past couple years? On the run from a wicked king? What does he do? Praise be to the God, the Lord of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. He realizes that truth wasn't from Abigail personally. He realizes that that was from God. And he says, thank you, God, because I was going straight off the cliff. But you stopped me. And he recognizes that. And he humbled himself. See, that's a heart of humility, even when he's wrong. And it's not if we're wrong or if we're heading toward a cliff. It's when. Because there are going to be times when we're going to be doing things completely the wrong direction from God. And we're going to have to listen. We're going to have to repent. We're going to have to change our hearts. And that's something to note in this. You'll never see God work in your own heart unless you're willing to say sorry or willing to humble yourself. Because if you're never willing to say sorry or even own that you're going off a cliff, it's going to be really hard for God to redeem or turn you back the other direction if you're not willing to admit it. See, there's confessing and there's humbling yourself, but then there's also repenting and changing. Could you imagine in this story, if David went to Abigail and was like, thank you so much for telling me that. Well, let's keep going over to the house. And then they went and destroyed him. See, that's confessing, but not repenting. Repentance is a change in your heart. It means turning the other direction. David was, was off to murder those men. And yet, in that moment, he confessed and said, that was wrong of me. But then he also did this. He said, I am going to change. I'm going to honor that. And I'm not going to lay a hand on them at all. See, there was this actual change of heart that happened in that moment. And confessing and repenting go together the same way grace and truth do. Because if you only confess but you never repent, that's as good as doing nothing. That just means you know your sin. If you just confess, that doesn't mean anything changes in your heart. But repenting is this, it takes a humble stance to repent. You cannot proudly repent. No, it's impossible to proudly repent, which is why you need to be humble in your own heart and say, yeah, I do need to make some changes in my heart. Personally, as a pastor, I have things that I have to change in my heart that are going to come up in my life. And I'm going to have to humbly admit that I'm not following God maybe in a certain way, just in the same way that you guys do. We all do together. That's what makes us family in the Lord. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says this. It says, he who conceals his sin will never prosper. But look at this. But the one who confesses, can we say this together? Confesses and renounces. Then finds mercy. Confess it. Then finds mercy. Confesses and renounces. You need both together. I confess my sin and now I'm going to make a change on it. That's the situation we find ourselves in. The last point I just want to make before we close, if Israel, you want to come back up, (laughs) is this. David listened to Abigail the way we, we are to listen to God. David listened to Abigail the same way we are to listen to God. So let me ask you something. What's your heart like before Jesus? What's your posture before him? Are you saying, well, look what I've been through, Abigail? And then in your own heart, you're like, well, look what I've been through, God. Or you go, well, you don't know. You don't know God. In the same way that you could say to an Abigail in your life. How do you listen to Jesus? One thing to note in this story is this. Abigail sent all these gifts, the raisins, the figs sent all those things forward before talking about truth and that's how god loves us as well he loves us and he pours this grace and he pours blessing upon us and then he says hey we need to talk hey we need to talk right now what is your posture like before god you guys want to close your bibles and we're going to pray go ahead and turn off your phones you just want to close your eyes with me You know, this morning, there's a message, there are two messages for all of us to respond to. One of them comes with our own heart of speaking truth to others, but more importantly, how do you receive truth? I think this morning, there is, guys, we are family together with eyes closed. There's sin in our lives. Maybe we're being destructive. Maybe we're blinded right now, and you're living in sin right now. Maybe you're being hurt. Maybe you're broken and you're using your brokenness as an excuse to continue to live in sin. David was hurt by the words that were spoken against him. And in his brokenness, it caused him to to cause a sin, to harbor murder in his heart. Maybe that's like you, where brokenness has happened to you and it's birthed this sin before you. And you need an Abigail to get in the way. And maybe this morning is your Abigail getting in the way and saying, hey, you need to bring this to Jesus. You need to confess and you need to repent. So this morning, right now, just as we're praying, it's you and God right now. What do you need to confess? Confess it right now to him. Just say that under your breath. Say, Jesus, I confess this to you. Lord, I confess these sins in my life. God, I confess just these ways of thinking, Lord, that I've gone against your word. Maybe you need to repent. You need to repent as well. Maybe this morning you just say, God, I want to turn from that. And I can turn from it because of your amazing love, because of your incredible mercy. The only reason we could ever correct ourselves, the only reason we could ever repent is because of the grace and the love of Jesus. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you don't know Jesus in this place and you know that your sin has been hurting you and you've been broken. You say, I want to come to him, but I'm just scared what he's going to think about my sin or me. What God says is, I'll take it and I'll take it to the cross. I forgive you. It's been done. And so give that to him this morning. Just say, Jesus, I call you my Lord and Savior this morning. God, I remember you as my Lord and Savior this morning if I've forgotten that. Lord, thank you for your grace, but thank you for your truth, God, that we're not living a lie to ourselves or to those around us. God, while just hurting and dying on the inside, but instead your truth just brings everything to the light and you bring healing and forgiveness. So Jesus, we give that to you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.